Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now let's start the show, Raw. Raw will open up with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming down to the ring, and they will be out here to talk about defending their tag team championships against Roman Reigns and Solo at Night of Champions. They will say they see this as a gift to get revenge on Roman for all of their times of Roman cheating his way into retaining his championships against both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and a litany of other superstars during Roman's 1,000 some odd day reign as undisputed champion. They would mention how they thought the bloodline would implode when they took the tag team titles away from the Usos at WrestleMania, but they say that since Roman is making sure that the bloodline stays unstable with him micromanaging and downgrading the Usos, they are starting to see that it's only going to be but so long before the Usos turn their back on Roman. Sammy will finish by saying Roman and Solo aren't going to take the tag team titles away from them at Night of Champions, then we would get the Judgment Day coming out here. Kevin Owens will tell production to cut their music. And Kevin Owens is just amped up. He's ready to fight. He know that usually when people come out here, they're not trying to talk. And Damian Priest will be on the exact same page. So Damian Priest and Kevin Owens, they want to fight. Finn will say, nope, let's talk to them. I want to talk to the tag champions. And Sammy would tell Kevin, let's hear them out. Finn would say that, you know what? If by some miracle you guys do retain the tag team titles against Roman and Solo, you guys will have a litany of people just waiting for you guys when you come back here, and the line starts behind the Judgment Day. So the Judgment Day is basically calling their shots for the tag team titles, whoever wins them. Now, since Kevin Owens heard them out, Kevin Owens will ask, can we fight now? Sammy will say, why not? Kevin will look to punch Dom, but Rhea will step in the way. Kevin will pull his punch. Damian Priest would forearm Sammy in the face. Rhea would forearm Kevin Owens. Now the Judgment Day is stomping out Kevin Owens as he's on the ground. Sammy would roll out of the ring, grab a steel chair, and the Judgment Day would leave the ring as Sammy would get in the ring with said chair. Now it was made official later in the night in the main event. It would be a tag team match. Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn going against Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Now that match being made official, we will get our first match of the night. Shinsuke Nakamura going against The Miz. Nakamura would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Kinshasa for the win. Now, after this, we get the number one contender, Battle Royal, for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther and the rest of Imperium will be at ringside watching this Battle Royal. Mustafa Ali would win the Battle Royal when Bronson Reed had Ricochet on his shoulders, and he's standing on the ring apron outside of the ring. And Ali would hit Bronson with a dropkick from the top turnbuckle, and that would eliminate both Bronson Reed and Ricochet, and this would make Mustafa Ali the winner. So Ali will be facing Gunther at Night of Champions for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm glad they gave Ali this. I think they're saving Bronson going against uh, Gunther for a bigger event because these are two big dudes that they've had matches before. Again, PWG. You can look that up yourself and see the, the match that they have, but that's whenever uh, Gunther was heavier and also Bronson Reed was heavier as well. But since both of them have slimmed down, especially Gunther, he's really slimmed down. I think now you'll just see them just getting in a big hospital. So I think they're saving that match for a different situation in a different time. So when we get to that, that's going to be the match. But Ali wasn't here. It was a good thing because they're going over to Saudi Arabia. And Ali being the chosen one to go against Gunther, it's just right. Because I feel that Ali's going to get 
just do over there in Saudi Arabia. I think the fans are going to cheer for him because they see a representation of themselves in Ali going against someone like Gunther. I just hope that they give Ali and Gunther a lot of time so it's just not a throwaway match. It's just a match that will actually build the stock up of Mustafa Ali because Ali has been so close to getting to the point that he actually could become a champion. He had that opportunity against, I believe, Austin Theory last year, but that got killed. And I mean, it's never, ever been the same for Ali. So hoping that him going against Gunther will give him the opportunity to showcase himself in the light for somebody in the bag that made the decisions for him to become a champion somewhere down the line. But anyway, that's just my opinion on that. So Ali versus Gunther at Night of Champions has been made official for the Continental Championship. Now, after this, we get Becky Lynch coming down to the ring here. Becky would mention that she has been going through some things and that she enlisted the help of two veterans. She's talking about Trish and Lita at that time. Becky would mention that Trish turning on her and striking her in the back of the head has awakened something that has been dimmed for months. So she thanks Trish for that. But she allows Trish to know that Trish is not going to be taking the spotlight because Becky is it. And Becky is the whole package, and Becky will be letting go of it when Becky decides to let go. So, Becky would make the challenge for Trish to go against her at Night of Champions. It will get made official that that match is happening, so there you have it. Now, after this, we have Xavier Woods going against Dominic Mysterio with Ray Ripley in his corner. Don would win the match by pinfall thanks to Ray Ripley's interference. When Xavier Woods was going to hit his elbow drop, he will land on his feet because Rhea would pull Dominic out of the ring just like she did last week. Xavier would jump onto Dominic outside of the ring and then throw Dom back into the ring. And now you have Rhea and Xavier looking at each other and Xavier would trash talk Rhea Ripley. Dom would then hit Xavier was with a baseball slide and then the referee would grab Dominic and try to push him off to the side so that Xavier could get to his feet. And when this happens... Rhea Ripley would hit Xavier Woods in the back and then throw him into the ring. This will allow Dominic to get Xavier in a pinning position to win the match. So right now, Dominic is two wins against Xavier Woods. Now, the next matchup will be a tag team match. End this year with Jinder Mahal in their corner going against two local scrubs. End this year would win the match by pinfall by hitting a sidewalk slam elbow drop combination for the win here. Now, next up was Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes would come down to the ring here, and Cody's out here to talk about him and Brock Lesnar, and Cody would make a parallel comparison between Cody and Brock with the story Scorpion and the Frog, and the main gist is that it's in Brock's nature to be a beast in the jungle, to be the alpha male, if you will. Cody would say that when Brock looks in the mirror, he sees a black eye in staples, and when Cody looks in the mirror, he sees the man that put those things on Brock's face. Cody would talk about why Brock was given this aura as being the better uh, member on the roster by being the best guy on the roster is because he is. 99.9% of the roster is not as good as Brock Lesnar, but at Backlash, that wasn't the case. Cody was better than Brock Lesnar by winning with a standard wrestling move. Brock was labeled as the next big thing for these many years, and it was warranted, but what happens when they just say next? No longer next big thing, they just say next. And 
Brock is just basically being thrown away to the side. So Cody will say that Brock is going to be removed and Cody will be continuing his story once he gets done with Brock Lesnar at Night of Champions. So that's why we're here. Um, solid promo work from uh, Cody here. Again, Cody's going to be a world champion in WWE. It's going to be written. Matter of fact, it is written. We just don't know when. It's going to be interesting to see what type of story they're going to be telling with Cody at this moment. But at this time, we do know Cody is going against Brock at Night of Champions. Now, after this, our next matchup will be Raquel Rodriguez going against Chelsea Green with Sonya Deville in her corner. Originally, it was supposed to be Raquel and Liv defending their Women's Tag Team Championships against Chelsea and Sonya. But Liv is hurt at the moment, so that's why it's just a standard one-on-one matchup here. Raquel would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Tejana Bomb for the win. Now, after the match, Raquel would be on the entrance stage, holding her championship belt up in the air. Ronda Rousey would come out from the side and hit a running side kick to Raquel Rodriguez, dropping her. Shayna Baszler would appear and beat up on Raquel. Ronda would let it be known that her and Shayna are gunning for those women tag team championships. So there you go. I see Chelsea and Sonya probably going to complain. We're going to get a triple threat tag team matchup here for the women's tag team titles somewhere down the line. So prepare for that. Now we're off to our main event, tag team matchup here. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going against Judgment Day's Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Now Finn Balor and Damian Priest, they would win this tag team matchup against the tag team champions, but they would do so with a lot of interference. First you had Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio coming down to the ring, middle of the match up here, but they would get caught by the referee interfering in the match, so they'll be sent to the back. Now, once Dom and Rhea is on the entrance stage, Xavier Woods would attack Dominic from behind, and now you'll just start seeing them fighting their way to the back here, so that would eliminate that problem. Then you have, later, Paul Heyman. He will come out. Paul would come out. He'll stand on the entrance stage, and whenever Finn and Priest were in dire strengths, you would just see him whip out a phone, and he just starts talking on that phone. And... You will see Imperium come out from the crowd, and they're around ringside now. So Imperium's around ringside. Finn Balor and Damian Priest are kind of down and out. Sammy would hit Finn Balor with the Haluva kick. And as he's about to go for the pin, you will see uh, Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser get on the ring apron to stop the referee from making the count. Kevin Owens would get in there, attack both men, get outside the ring, push Gunther, this will allow Damian Priest to turn Kevin Owens around, hit him with a choke slam on the ring apron. Now, Finn Balor is up in the corner once again, and he's trying to regain his composure. Sammy's up, and he's looking to hit uh, Finn with another Haluva kick. Again, Imperium would get on the ring apron, and this time, Gunther would run over, hold Sammy's foot, so Sammy couldn't run. So Sammy's kind of trying to get Gunther off his foot. This will allow Finn Balor to run over, hit a John Woo kick, which is a shotgun drop kick uh, to Sammy in the chest. And then you'll see Finn finish off Sammy with a coup de grace for the win here. So that's what happened. We have these big stable groups teaming up under one roof under Paul Heyman's basically sideways deals here because earlier in the night you saw Paul Heyman talking to Finn and Damien in the backstage and they'll shake hands with them. Then later in the night, you see Gunther Imperium shake hands with Paul Heyman. So we have this basically Dick Dashley like duo or stable or just unholy alliance between Roman's uh, bloodline or his influence 
with Imperium and Judgment Day all coming together for this one moment to try to make Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's whole life on Raw a living hell. So that's what we've gotten here. Now, with that, that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to NXT, we will start off with the quarterfinals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. It will be Cora J going against Fallon Henley. Uh, Cora would win the match by pinfall by hitting a double underhook DDT for the win. So Cora will be facing Lara Valkyria in the semifinals of the tournament next week. Um, Cora was basically attacking Fallon's uh, left leg all throughout the match. So that's what gave Cora the advantage against Fallon. So I like the way that Cora worked the body part over and over again. And it still shows that Cora Jade is, I will say, the Eric Cartman of the women's division for NXT. She is literally the mean girl that's going to say any snarky remarks. And I like the way that she played it up by just constantly going after a body part of a Fallon here. So again, Cora Cartman of NXT, but she plays the part so well. And you know that she's going to try the exact same move with Lyra next week. So we're going to wait and see what body part she's going to go after next week against Lyra Valkyria in their uh, semifinals matchup. Now, after this, we were supposed to get a tag team matchup of um, Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulag going against the NXT North American champion Wesley and Tyler Bate. But that match does not happen because Tyler Bate and Wesley will be attacked backstage in the locker room by the Dyad. So that match gets canceled. We get to see the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams drive up to the arena and they will pull in. They will walk past both Dempsey and Drew Gulak and say, you guys, match got canceled. Hey, move out of the way. So Charlie and Drew would take offense to this. Melo and Trick, they will walk straight to the ring and they're out here to call out Braun Breaker for what he did to them last week. They both know Braun isn't the same man from Stand and Deliver. But Melo isn't the same man either, so Melo will call out Braun so he can come down and meet them in the ring. But instead of Braun coming out, Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey will come out because, again, they feel disrespected by Trick Williams and Melo for treating them like trash. When Charlie would try to talk to Melo and Trick, the fans would constantly just chant out Willy Wonka over Charlie to the point that Charlie Dempsey couldn't say anything. Drew Gulak tried to interfere on behalf of his partner here. Trick would cut all that and say, since they feel the type of way, why not have a tag match later tonight? Drew and Charlie Dempsey would accept, and they would sucker punch both Trick and Mello. Trick and Mello will be able to strike back and make Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulak retreat to the back, so we have our tag match set for later in the night. Now, after this, we would get a tag match up here of the Creed Brothers with Ivy Nile in their corner, going against the Dyad with Ava Rain in their corner here. The Creeds would win the match by pinfall when Julius Creed would hit James Drake with a rolling Oklahoma slam, then follow it up with a clothesline to win the match. Um, fun match here between both of the teams, Dyad and the Creed brothers. They have great chemistry with each other. There was a point in this match where you saw both Brutus and Zach Gibson on the mat laid out and on opposite ends of the ring. You would see Julius on the top rope and you would see James Drake on the top rope. They would just stare at one another and they would hit respective 450 splash on each other's teammate. So Julius would hit a 450 splash on Zach Gibson while James Drake would hit a 450 splash on Brutus Creed. And that was a great spot. And those two would get up and start uh, yelling out so they can just gather themselves and they'll just start striking each other in the ring. So that was a fun uh, element in this match here but again the dyad the creed brothers i think they've had matches before if not they've been in multiple 
multi-tag uh, matches against other teams with themselves. So the Creeds and the Dyad, they have had team, at least matchups against each other in an element way. So I like the way that they actually did this match. And I don't know what they're doing with the Dyad. Again, we all know they asked for their contracts to be released. WWE did not give this to them. So I think WWE is going to constantly just work the Dyad until October 15th come around. And then that's whatever the Dyad will be free to go from WWE. At least that's what I'm thinking. Because we did not get to see the Dyad in the ring as much as we have seen them. And I'm not opposed to it. Again, there still is enough time for WWE to fix out whatever problems they have with the dyad and make them want to stay with the WWE. Or, again, you could just use them up constantly and then just whenever the contract's up, you can just let them be. So we have to wait and see which way they're going to go with this. Um, after the match, you would see the Creed Brothers walk over to the announcer's uh, table. Julius would grab a headset and he would make the announcement to say that they want to challenge the Gallus for the NXT Tag Team titles. Since... Tony D'Angelo got pulled in by police uh, investigators, and I use that in light terms because, again, this is all storyline-wise. There was a segment earlier in the night where Tony D'Angelo and Stax would be at an Italian restaurant, and two guys that said they work for the police, they say that uh, they got to investigate and take Tony downtown to speak to him about an investigation. Again, still going over with the whole Mafia uh, Sopranos type of gimmick that Tony D'Angelo has here. So that's the reason why they're trying to uh, ixnade the family out of it. But that's not going to work. I see at Battlegrounds is going to be a triple threat tag match. Uh, Gallus, Creed's, and Tony and Stax. That's what I see happening. So we'll have to wait for that announcement to happen. Now, after this, we have the Supernova Sessions hosted by Noam Dar with his special guest, Dragon Lee. This uh, little talk show segment, it was all right. It wasn't the big thing to talk about here, uh, Noam Dar will try to make fun of Dragon Lee, saying that Dragon Lee doesn't know how to speak English, but then Dragon Lee would say, I know how to speak English. Noam Dar would then try to say that Mexico isn't a big country because he says that Dragon Lee is a big superstar in Mexico. Dragon Lee would have to shut him down there, saying he respects the Mexican uh, people, he respects his heritage, and again, shutting down Noam Dar every which way. Norm Dar will constantly say that Dragon isn't going to get a shot at the Heritage Cup, even though they had not even talked about the Heritage Cup. Norm Dar were just constantly trying to uh, bring that up. Nathan Frazier will come down to the ring and chastise Noam Dar, saying that he's afraid to lose that Heritage Cup because he cherishes that with everything. Dragon Lee would challenge Noam Dar to a match for the Heritage Cup at Battlegrounds. Noam Dar, hearing the chastising from Nathan Frazier would accept the challenge and tell Nathan that he will see him in a normal style match next week. So we have that match set up for next week and we have the Heritage Cup set up for uh, Battlegrounds. Now, after this, we have the tag team match of the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams going against Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. Melo and Trick would win the match by pinfall when Trick would hit Charlie with a cyclone kick, then tag in Melo and Melo would finish it off with nothing but net on Charlie Dempsey to win the match. Now, after said match, Trick Williams and Mello would call out Braun like they did earlier in the night. Braun would appear on the screen, and he is at the barbershop where Mello and Trick get their cuts. Braun would say that he is on his way to the arena, but they have to wait because Braun wants to stop and get his hair cut. And Braun is just making everybody feel uncomfortable at the barbershop, and he just lets Trick and Mello know that basically I can get to you guys wherever I want to get to, and I can get to your 
uh, inner sanctum because that is where Mellow and Trick like to just communicate and talk about strategy at the shop. And they've done that multiple times. So again, Bronze is using this as a mind game to get at Mellow here. But Braun does say that he will meet them later. So we get the end of that. Next matchup will be Thea Hale with Duke Hudson in her corner going against Kiana James. Kiana James would win the match by pinfall by hitting the 401k, which is a reverse sling blade onto Thea Hale for the win. Now, after this, we have the North American champion, Wesley, coming down to the ring to call out Joe Gacy. Wes would tell Joe that he didn't have to attack him if he wanted a match for the North American championship because Wes is all game. So, Joe Gacy and Ava Marine would appear on an NXT perch, and they would sow some doubt with Wes with his friendship with Tyler Bates, saying that Tyler Bates using Wes as a friend for all his game to basically try to gain Wes's friendship so he can go after the North American championship. Wes would tell Joe Gacy to shut up. Tyler Bates would come out, and he would tell Wes, that's not true. I actually appreciate our friendship here. Joe Gacy would call him a liar. Wes would tell Joe again to shut up. So Joe Gacy would again tell Wes, okay, so you have a choice to make. Either you defend your championship against me or you have a match with your friend, the liar. You would see Wes looking at both Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. And he says that, you know what, I'll just take on both of you guys at the same time. So we get that match made, made official. Battlegrounds for the North American Championship, Tyler Bate. Going against Wesley, going against uh, Joe Gacy. Now, after this, we will have the main event, the other quarterfinal matchup for the NXT Women's Championship Tournament, JC Jane versus Roxanne Perez. Roxanne would win the match by pinfall by hitting Pop Rocks for the win. So it has been announced, Roxanne will be facing Tiffany Stratton in the semifinals of the tournament next week. Now, after the match, Roxanne would face off with Tiffany in front of the NXT Women's Championship. Gigi Dolan will come in the ring and attack J.C. Jane. They will fight in the ring, then outside the ring. You will see referees come out there to separate both of the ladies. Then the NXT champion, again, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, they will come down to the ring. They will call out Braun Breaker, and they will just wait until Braun Breaker would show himself. Now, Braun would show himself, but he'll be flanked by security guards. Now, Melo and Trick, they will be questioning why he needs the security guards. And Braun would just straight up tell him, listen, security guards isn't for me. They're for you. They're here to make sure that I don't get to you guys because every time that we be in the ring together, I lay you guys out. Now, we would get more back and forth conversation between Melo and Braun. Again, they're building up this matchup for Battlegrounds here. You have Braun uh, trashing all of the Boston sports teams, the Bruins, the Red Sox, uh, Celtics, many more. And Melo is saying that he's going to make his dynasty off of Braun at Battlegrounds. So we get that here. Cool, fine, whatever. It finally gets to breaking down when Melo jumps over the ropes and lands on the security guards. Braun goes over, start punching Melo. Trey comes out there, beat up on some security guards. Now we get Braun and Melo fighting each other. Uh, Melo would get Braun in the ring. You have security take care of Trick and send him to the back. The other half of security would get in the ring, try to separate both Braun and Mello. Uh, Mello would be able to clothesline one of the security guards out of the ring. Braun would be able to take care of some of the other security guards, then clothesline Mello inside out in the ring here. Now, it seems like we're about to have 
brawn again, stand tall over Mello because he grabs Mello by the throat, lifts him up in the air in the gorilla press position, but Mello would reverse it, land on his feet, and he would kick Braun directly in the nuts. Now, Mello, he's learned from his past mistakes with Braun here, so he would decide to pick up the NXT Championship and hit Braun in the head with it. Now you have Mello and Braun laid out on the mat, and the NXT Championship's picture perfectly in between them, and you would see Mello places Pinky on the NXT Championship to show why Mello is basically fighting against Braun to retain and still be the man of NXT. And I like that symbolism because with every last waking breath that Melo has with him, or in him, if you will, he's going to do anything he can to retain that NXT championship. And I like that symbolism that they did here at the end of NXT with Melo's pinky on the championship. So again, that's where we're up here with. Uh, they're still building. They only got one more week until... NXT's Battleground, and that's next week, so I wonder what they're going to do with Melo and uh, Braun, but again, we'll have to wait and see what they do with that. But now, with that ball being said, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to AEW Dynamite. First thing to note, that Wednesday morning, afternoon-ish, there will be news coming out that AEW have uh, acquired a new show from Warner Brothers, and it's going to be on TNT, and it's going to be called AEW Collision, which will debut on June the 17th. Tony Khan would further explain it. It'll be a two-hour wrestling show on Saturday, and he will say that next week we will find out where the debut of Collision will air from. There's been multiple speculations that it'll be airing in Chicago, and that on that uh debut episode CM Punk will be returning again these are all rumors and speculations nothing has been uh nailed out completely we will all find out next week because if it does air in Chicago more than likely again just like Rampage we will be getting CM Punk popping back up in AEW but again that's only if uh AEW and CM Punk has gotten things together but we'll have to wait and see for next week also, next week on Dynamite, it has been announced for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles will be defended. The Lucha Brothers will defend their tag team titles against the Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castagnoli and his Blackpool Combat Partner, uh, Willie Yuta. Now, to start to show off, we will have the TNT Champion Warlow coming down to the ring in dress clothes, and he will get a mic. Warlow will call out Christian Cage for what he said about Christian going to spit in his face if he saw Warlow last week. So, Warlow is pulling Christian's punk card here, and Christian does not fold. Christian will come out with Luchasaurus at his side, and Christian will get in the face of Warlow. Christian will trash talk Warlow, and Warlow will constantly dare Christian to spit on him, the same way that Christian said he would. Christian will look at Luchasaurus, and as Christian is preparing himself to spit on Warlow, Warlow will grab Christian by the throat, Luchasaurus would form Warlow in the face, and now you have the two big men fighting in the ring. Warlow would knock Luchasaurus down to the mat, and then he would go over to Christian and look to powerbomb him. But once again, Luchasaurus would go over and hit Warlow in the back, and now you again, you have the both men fighting one another. Christian would low blow Warlow, and now this has Warlow down to the mat. Christian would beat up on Warlow. Christian would tell Luchasaurus to get a ladder from underneath the ring. Luchasaurus would do this, and now when Luchasaurus brings the ladder into the ring, Christian would set it up in the corner, and Christian would tell Luchasaurus to chokeslam Warlow on it and this would bend the ladder. Christian would now take the bent ladder and place it in the middle of the ring. 
Christian will hit Warlow with the unprettier on the ladder, laying Warlow out. Christian will grab the TNT Championship, look at it, and just like look into the camera to let everyone know that you're looking at your next TNT champion. Now, later in the night, Warlow will have ice pack on his head in the trainer's room. Arn Anderson will come up to him. Arn Anderson will tell Warlow, that's the reason why I should have been out there to protect you. Warlow said, that's the reason why I wanted you back here, so I can see what they are going to do. And now that I know, I have a game plan. Warlow would make out the challenge to face Christian at double or nothing for the TNT Championship in a ladder match, and it does get confirmed, so we have that match for double or nothing. Now, we will get to our first tag team match of the night, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen going against Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen would win the match by a pinfall when Orange Cassidy would hit Lee Moriarty with beach break and Darby Allen would go up to the top turnbuckle. Big Bill would get on the ring apron. Orange Cassidy would hit him with the orange punch. This would allow Darby to hit Lee Moriarty with the coffin drop and instead of pitting him like he would usually do, Darby Allen would instead lift up Lee Moriarty and hit him with a headlock takeover for the win. Now, this was a direct shot at the AEW World Champion MJF because MJF did that exact same move, the headlock takeover, to beat Darby Allin in their match at full gear in 2021. But he did so by hitting him first with the Dynamite Diamond Ring first and then hit him with the headlock takeover. So again, a shot towards the world champion. Now, later in the night, Arch Cassidy will be backstage in an interview, and he says that if anyone was a shot at his international championship, then they need to go talk to Tony Khan. Further in the night, Arch Cassidy will be told that 20 people talked to Tony about a shot at his championship, so Orange would say that at double or nothing, he would take them all on in a blackjack battle royale for the international championship. So we have that match set, a 21-man Battle Royale for the International Championship at Double or Nothing. Now, after this, we have a matchup of Sammy Guevara going against Exodus Prime. This was a complete squash match for Sammy Guevara because Sammy would win this in quick fashion by hitting a high knee strike, then the GTH for the win. Now, after the match, Sammy would get a microphone and Sammy would recount to the fans about his time going through the Indies to get at this point in his life in AEW to be in a company that actually looks at him and actually values him as a wrestler. Sammy will state that he has grown in front of everyone and he has made mistakes in front of everyone, but that has not stopped him on his journey. And Sammy will say at double or nothing, he plans on becoming the world champion. Now we would go backstage, Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, they would have a stare down with each other. Sammy will tell Darby, listen, he might not like Darby, but he does respect him. And he does respect what Darby told him a couple of weeks ago about Sammy wanting to be a man and wanting to be a world champion. He needs to get away from under the shadow of Chris Jericho. So Sammy would make the announcement saying that he is not going to lay down for MGF at double or nothing. And he's not going to lay down for neither Darby Allen or Jungle Boy. But he does say that either him, Darby or Jungle Boy should take that title away from that prick MJF. So Sammy and Darby will fist bump each other, and now we have at least an understanding between Darby and Sammy, and at least a mutual respect between both guys. And now it seems that the deck is starting to be stacked against MJF in this favor, and it wouldn't help later on the night, but I'll get to that in a minute. After this, we have Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt coming out on the stage because they were supposed to have an interview with Tony Schiavone, but... FTR will come out and they will immediately push Satnam Singh off the stage through the table. 
And now you have FTR brawling with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal around the ring. Dax would rip Jay Lethal's pants through the brawl and send Jay Lethal over the ring announcer's uh, table. Cash would get Jeff Jarrett in the ring and FTR would look to hit Jeff with the big rig. But Karen Jarrett would come in the ring behind Cash and hit him with a low blow. Dax would turn around, look at Karen, and this would allow Jeff Jarrett to hit Dax with a stroke. Then you would see Saddam Singh get up from the table scraps, walk to the ring, get inside the ring, double choke slam FTR in the middle of the ring, and this would allow Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal to grab their guitars and smash them over the heads of FTR, and then they would pose with the AEW World Tag Team titles to end this segment here. You know what? I did not expect this rivalry or this feud, whatever you would call it, between Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and FTR to at least be this entertaining as it has been. When you would see this on a piece of paper, you will really question yourself, why in God's green is this actually happening? But when you see it on the screen as everything is going, you can at least say, you know what? This is better than what it should be. So again, I'm real surprised by the way this is all coming out, but I shouldn't be really. Jeff Jarrett, he's a showman. He knows how to make things work. Jay Lethal, he's a showman. He knows how to make things work. FTR, they're showmen's and they're great wrestlers. They know how to make things work. So, again, just on paper, it doesn't seem like it would work, but these four guys, they're making it work. Added with the inclusion of Mark Briscoe, Saddam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt, all those ingredients now, Karen Jarrett being mixed in, they're actually making something that shouldn't work actually work. So, kudos to all these uh, individuals involved in this rivalry here. Now, after this, we have our tag team match of Tony Storm and Ruby Soho with Soraya in their corner, going against Hukaru Shida and Britt Baker. They would announce on commentary that they know this was supposed to be a six-woman uh, tag match, but the AEW Women's Champion, J.B. Hader, she is out with injury right now, and they would not let her uh, be medically cleared to compete in this, so that's the reason why it's a tag team match instead of their scheduled six-woman uh, tag match here. Now, Tony Storm and Ruby Soho would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Soraya when Britt Baker would hit Tony Storm with the curb stomp and Soraya would get on the ring apron to distract the referee. This will allow Ruby to pass Tony their spray paint can and Tony would spray paint Britt in the face. Tony would then hit Storm Zero on Britt and cover her for the win. Now, on commentary, they would announce that this is Tony Storm's fourth win in five days. This makes the record for AEW wrestler to do this so tony has a big chip on her shoulder and later in the night tony storm would challenge jamie Hader to a match at double nothing for the aew women's championship and that would be announced so that's another match that's been made for double or nothing now moving on to the next match up here is the false count anywhere match where both jericho appreciates society and adam cole are barred from the arena it is chris jericho going against roderick strong Roderick Strong would win the match by pinfall when Chris Jericho and Roderick Strong would fight from inside the ring, then through the crowd, and as they fight through the crowd, they would fight to outside of the arena, and Roderick Strong was backing away from Chris as they exit the arena. Chris would take this as Roderick being afraid of him, and Roderick would just play up the part, and Chris would trash talk him all the way, but what Chris didn't know was that this was a trap because Adam Cole was standing literally behind Chris Jericho outside of the arena see adam cole did not break the stipulation he was outside of the arena he was not inside the arena so he still stayed within the limitations so once chris jericho turned around adam cole would attack him adam cole would hit chris jericho with the boom which is a running knee strike behind the head 
and then Roderick will finish him off with a jumping knee to the face, and then he will cover Chris to win the matchup here. I like the way they set this up. I think this is what we were trying to get with Chris Jericho versus uh, Ricky Starks at AEW Revolution, where the Jericho Appreciation Society were supposed to be banned from across the ring, from around the ring, excuse me. But you had Ricky Starks uh, about to beat Chris Jericho, and then you have Sammy Guevara come down there to interfere. So I think that's what we were trying to do here, basically saying that Jericho couldn't do it as better as Roderick Strong, or Adam Cole did better research whereas Chris Jericho didn't whenever he tried this exact same maneuver. I like the way this thing went here. Also, the brawling between Chris Jericho and Roderick Strong, they fought in the freaking stairwell. That was different from wrestling, something that I haven't seen before. I saw people fight in the stairwells of wrestling. Cool. But I'm actually, they were like on a platform or something inside the stairwells as they were chopping each other in the chest. Real, real different. I like the way that they did that false count anywhere matchup here. But again, it still continues with Chris Jericho's feud with Adam Cole as Adam Cole's trying to make Chris Jericho's life a living hell. Thanks to Chris Jericho having Adam Cole's girlfriend, Britt Baker, uh, beat up with a kendo stick by the outcast. So that's the reason why this feud is happening the way it's happening. Now, on to the next matchup here is Roosh going against Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy would win the match by a pinfall by getting Roosh in a roll-up pin and using Roosh tights as leverage. Now, throughout this whole match, Roosh was just beating up on Jungle Boy. I mean, he was tearing him up from pillar to post. I mean, they first start the matchup. Roosh is beating up on Jungle Boy. He grabs him by the hair and just rams him all the way around ringside from one barricade to another, to another, to another. This has Jungle Boy bleeding for a little bit. I mean, you will even see later in the match, you will have uh, Jungle Boy and Roosh fighting on the ring apron outside of the ring. And... Both of those guys would just be chopping each other, but Roosh would just be eating it, those chops, and it looks like he's not even being phased by what Jungle Boy's doing to him. And Jungle Boy would rush to him, and straight up, Roosh would just throw uh, Jungle Boy over his head, belly to belly, onto the outside ring. And that crap hurt. You heard that thud. That crap sucked. So Jungle Boy using the tights to beat Roosh, it showed that Jungle Boy is willing to do anything he can to win the matchup here. And I think that's going to play a part into uh, Double or Nothing, by the way. Now, after the match, you would see Roosh attack Jungle Boy. Jose and Preston Vance would join in on beating up on Jungle Boy. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara would come down to the ring and help Jungle Boy. They would attack Roosh, Jose, and Preston Vance, sending them outside of the ring and retreating to the back. And then you will see all three men just stare at one another. And that's it. Remember, these are still the three pillars that's going to be going against MGF in their Fatal 4-Way match at double or nothing for the AEW World Championship. And again, all of them have that uh, underlining respect for each other. And they know that they have to take that title off of MGF. So speaking of MJF here, we would go backstage. MGF is looking at this through a monitor and he has his hands on his head. And you can just see that. MGF knows that the walls are closing in on his title reign as he knows that the deck is fully stacked against him. Renee Paquette would walk over to him and try to get a word from him, but he would just look at Renee and just slap the mic out of her hands and just walk away. Now off to our main event matchup here. It'll be Jay White with Juice Robinson in his corner going against Ricky Starks. Jay White would win the match by disqualification when Ricky Starks would have Jay White up for the Rochambeau. But Jay would gouge at Ricky Stark's eye, 
and the referee would pull Jay to the side and talk to him. Juice would get in the ring with the chair and look to hit Ricky with it, but Ricky would duck and take the chair away from him. Ricky would hit Juice with it, and then he would hit Jay in the stomach and then in the back with the chair. The referee would call for the bell. That's how Jay White would win the matchup here. Now, after the bell was rang, you would see Ricky starts wanting to hit Jay White in the head with the chair, but Juice Robinson would pull Jay White out of the ring, so we're still continuing the rivalry between Jay White and Ricky Starks. I'll probably see them have a match at double or nothing. It was not announced on Dynamite, but again, we'll have to wait and see when it does get announced. Now, after this, we'll get to our main event segment, Don Callis. Don Callis will come down to the ring. Security will be standing on the ramp because we know Kenny Omega's probably in the building. He probably wants to get his hands on Don Callis here. Don Callis is out here to explain why he turned on Kenny Omega last week. And instead of fully explaining why he did what he did, Don Callis would instead flip it on Kenny and say that Kenny Omega was ungrateful and that all of Kenny's success is because of Don Callis. Kenny winning the world championship is because of Don Callis. Kenny versus uh, Chris Jericho in Japan was Don Callis. Kenny having the success that he has is all because of Don Callis. Now, Kenny would come out and security would try to stop Kenny Omega, but Kenny would attack them. This will lead to the Blackpool Combat Club attacking Kenny from behind. Mox would hit Kenny with the paradigm shift on the apron and leave him there. The Blackpool Combat Club would then get in the ring. Moxley would get a mic and say that everybody else is pretenders. We are the true elite in this business. Then you will see the camera pan over to Kenny Omega as he's trying to get to his feet. Then you will hear the Young Bucks music hit. Young Bucks will come out with the trash can full of weapons. And I forgot to mention something. The Young Bucks will get taken out by Blackpool Combat Club earlier in the night. Um, Blackpool Combat Club surrounded the Young Bucks as soon as they entered the building. The Young Bucks threw their luggage at the Blackpool Combat Club, but that wasn't enough. And that's how the Young Bucks will get dealt with earlier in the night, but they're out here to make the safe for Kenny. They come out here with a garbage can full of weapons. They go over to Kenny with the garbage can full of weapons. Kenny pulls out a trash can lid and a broom with barbed wire. The Young Bucks have weapons in their hands, but it's now three on four as the Young Bucks and Kenny are on the stage and the Blackpool Combat Club's in the ring. Then you will hear Hangman's music hit and Hangman will come out on the stage. Hangman is wearing an eye patch because remember uh, Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson to be more specific, he did like stab Hangman in the eye with the flathead screwdriver a couple of weeks ago. So Hangman's out here sporting the eye patch and Kenny would hand Hangman a weapon and now it seems that the Elite are back together. The Elite would rush down to the ring. They would beat up on Blackpool Combat Club. Brian Danielson, he didn't look like he got touched at all in that. I try to look for at that whole situation. He didn't look like he got touched. John Moxley, he looked like he got beat up on a little bit. But the prime victim was uh, Wheeler Yuta. He will get beat up on by Kenny Omega. He would get a BTE trigger for his troubles. And then you would see uh, the Blackpool Combat Club like pull Wheeler Yuta out of the ring. And they, they would retreat up the ramp. Hangman would get a microphone and he would say that they are the elite. They are the heart and soul of this place and that they challenged Blackpool Combat Club to anarchy in the arena at double or nothing. So more than likely, we're going to get that match uh, being signed off. And I'm glad that they keep in the anarchy in the arena at double or nothing. I'm glad that double or nothing as a pay-per-view has a specialty type of matchup here in 2020. They had Stadium Stampede. 2021 Stadium Stampede. Last year, Anarchy in the Arena, and they're going to keep on with that condition 
or tradition here, if you will, uh, this year. And with that being said, more than likely after this, we're still going to have Blackpool Comic Club going against the Elite, and which is going to go into Blood and Guts, because that's usually what happens, and it's been going on, what, for the last two years? 2021, Pinnacle, and uh, the Inner Circle. Last year, Jericho Appreciation Society and the Blackpool Combat Club. I feel that we're going to continue on with that tradition uh, this year. But again, we'll have to wait and see as that happens. But I'm glad to see that the elites are all officially back together uh, as AEW Dynamite would end off. And that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to Impact Wrestling, we have the X Division Champion Trey Miguel going against Laredo Kid. Trey Miguel would win the match by pinfall by grabbing Laredo Kid kicking him in the head and looking to hit the lightning spiral, but Laredo Kid would reverse out of it. Trey would push Laredo into the ref, and when Laredo turned around to look back at Trey, Trey would rip Laredo Kid's mask off of his head, and Laredo, being a luchador, he would try to cover up his face so nobody could see his face. This would allow Trey Miguel to roll him up for the win. Now, after this match, we have Trey Miguel going to get a mic, and he will say that he is a generational talent, and he feels that he doesn't get the respect that he deserves from the fans and the people in the back. So Trey would say that he is taking over the show now, and he will proceed to sit in the middle of the ring. And then you will see Chris Saban come down to the ring and talk to Trey Miguel. Chris would give him the veteran speech, saying that when Trey Miguel defaced the X Division Championship by spray-painting it, he disrespected the past X Division champions. He started listing a litany of champions, including AJ Styles, uh, himself, Loki, Jerry Lynn, Samoa Joe, and plenty others. And Chris will let Trey know that he is going to come up to him as a man and let him know that under siege, he's going to beat Trey's ass to become the first ever nine-time X Division champion. So that's the end of this segment right here. Nice match between Trey Miguel and Laredo Kid. They had enough uh, time to get in what they had to get in. But the segment or the promo from Chris Saban to Trey Miguel, it just further proves how important Chris Saban is to the X Division because he's really like the only last true original X Division guy who held the X Division championship in the early 2000s that's still with impact. So Trey Miguel beating Chris Saban would prop up Trey Miguel's uh, reign as X Division champion into another at least momentum that Trey Miguel's championship needs right now. Even though Trey Miguel has a win against Crazy Steve and uh, Monsters Ball, and he had a triple threat match with Mike Bailey and Jonathan Gresham, I just feel that him beating Chris Saban at under siege to retain his X Division championship it would at least put Trey Miguel on another notch for his reign with this X Division championship here. Now, after this, we will have. The one half of the Impact World Tag Team Champions, uh, Ace Austin with his partner, Chris Bay, going against Jason Hotch, who had Brian Myers and John Schuyler in his corner. Jason Hotch would win the match by pinfall, thanks to Brian Myers interfering when Ace would have Hotch in an Oklahoma roll-up, and Hotch would push Ace Austin into the second ropes. Brian Myers would punch Ace in the face, and this would allow Hotch to roll up Ace Austin for the win. So, knowing how everything works, um, the good hands are going to get a Impact World Tag Team Championship matchup, but they're not going to get it soon because they're already defending the titles at Under Siege. Ace Austin and Chris Bay are defending it against Subculture, which consists of uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. So, I can see after that match, at another Impact-like 
event. I can see the good hands getting a tag team title shot against Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Now, after this, we have the Impact in-ring debut of Trinity going against Kylene King with Taylor Wilde in her corner. Trinity would win the match by submission by locking in Starstruck, which is basically the Beast Bite or better known as a reverse style of the Rings of Saturn on Kylene King, and Kylene King would tap out. I like this match. They gave this match enough time for everyone to remind themselves of what Trinity can do in the ring, for one. And also, too, it gave people who is not familiar with Kylene King, if you are a first-time watcher of Impact Wrestling because you know uh, Trinity is there now, this gave Kylene King a great uh, spotlight for her. Because Kylene King, she took care of Trinity in this matchup here. Her and Trinity did have a good match. And as I said before, they gave them enough time. And I do applaud Impact for that a lot. Because Impact, they do care about their uh, knockouts division. They care about them a lot. I would say, to be honest with you, they give them more ring time than uh, AEW usually do. And WWE with their women's wrestlers in matches, to be honest with you. Because this one, they had enough time to make both of them get over as superstars. Well, Trinity's already a star, but you could tell that they have plans for Kylie King in the future. So that's what I mean by that. So with them having this match here, and you see that um, Trinity was able to get the win, which I believe everybody knew that was going to happen because this is her debut match. Um, it just further proves, well, Trinity is a big star. We have some plans for Trinity and Impact here. And Kylie King more than likely will be getting like a push further down the line. But after the matchup here, uh, Jay Vidal will come down to the ring. Jay Vidal would tell Trinity that Trinity thinks she's the hottest thing in Impact, but she isn't. Giselle Shaw is. And Giselle accepts Trinity's challenge to a match at Under Siege. Jay would also tell Trinity that she has another message from Giselle, and Jay would try to slap Trinity, but Trinity would catch the slap. Trinity would hold her grip and twist Vidal's arm and tell him to relay a message to Giselle, and the message would be that she can't wait to see her at Under Siege, and then Trinity would kick Jay Vidal in the head. So again, Trinity's a big star. Trinity's going to be presented as a big star in Impact, and I love it. Now, after this, we have another knockouts matchup here. Jody Threat going against Sierra, which is a squash matchup. Jody would win the match by pinfall by hitting the 416, which is an F5 for the win. So this will mark up another win in the win column for Jody Threat. She has been undefeated in Impact Wrestling. They did make that uh, known on commentary. So. Again, we can see another like undefeated thing coming around in Impact for uh, the women's division. Oh, another women's wrestler coming in with an undefeated streak. Um, but I don't see it lasting long, to be truly honest with you. Jody's going to be going up against somebody that's going to have a fierce, comp- uh, fierce in-ring style. And then that person's going to end up cheating to beat Jody. And then that'll be Jody's first like rivalry that she has in Impact. And I don't know who that is yet. I can see it being Masha Slamovich because Masha has nothing at the moment. But it probably could be somebody else. But right now, they are setting up uh, Jody for something in which at this moment, I just don't know who her first rivalry will be in Impact. Now, after this, we will go off to our main event, six-man tag match. The team of Eddie Edwards, Kazarian, and Moose going against Alex Shelley, 
Jonathan Gresham, and Yuya Uramura. Alex Shelley, Jonathan Gresham, and Yuya Uramura would win the match by pinfall, thanks to Eddie Edwards and Kazarian basically having some miscommunications throughout the whole entire match. Eddie Edwards, he wanted to play team leader. He wanted to make sure that Kazarian would follow his every move. Kazarian, he would try to at least agree with some of the things that Eddie was doing, but Eddie would become overbearing throughout the match because when Kazarian would have uh, control of the matchup at one point, Eddie would tag himself in or Eddie would be beaten up on uh, an opponent in the matchup and he would tag Kazarian in and you could just tell that they were not vibing with one another. Moose, he was being the guy. He didn't care what those two were doing. He just looked to win. But ultimately, in the end, it all cost that whole entire team because when it came down to Eddie Edwards in the middle of the ring with Alex Shelley, um, Kazarian would get in the ring. Um, Alex Shelley would push Eddie into Kazarian, and you'd just see both of these guys have a conversation, just yell at one another, saying, what are you doing? And then you would see Eddie, you turn around by Alex Shelley. Eddie would hit Alex Shelley. Uh, Jonathan Gresham would get in the ring, and Jonathan Gresham would turn Kazarian around. Kazarian would hit Jonathan Gresham. And then you would see Eddie again shout at Kazarian. Kazarian would then be turned around by Eddie. And you would see Kazarian clothesline Eddie Edwards. Eddie would see it. He would just shrug his shoulders like, eh. And then you would see Jonathan Gresham dropkick Kazarian. And Kazarian would roll out of the ring. Alex Shelley would take this opportunity to grab Eddie Edwards and hit him with a shell shock, which is a STO for the win. So that happened here at the main event of this Impact uh, episode. Solid Impact Wrestling episode here. Impact, you always know you're going to get wrestling. You're going to get some type of promo work, some backstage stuff. Uh, the backstage stuff that happened this week was they found out who attacked Santina Morella, and it was Dango, the guy who's been investigating the whole who attacked Santino. He actually did it because uh, Joe Hendry, he would get into an altercation with Dango because Dango would accuse Hendry of attacking Santino, and you would see Hendry rip uh, Dango's shirt, and you would see a patch of hair removed from Dango's chest, and they were making a correlation to it because weeks ago, when Santino's body was found laid out backstage, there was some hair right beside his body. So they made a correlation to this being Dango's chest hair. Dango would try to say that wasn't his, but then you just see him attack Joe Hendry, and he leaves Joe Hendry laying on the ground, and he said, well, looks like the case is closed. So Dango did this. We don't know the reason why, so probably we'll get an update from that next week. And also, another thing that happened backstage was the Impact World Champion, Steve Macklin, Champagne Singh, and Shira attacking PCO backstage. They will put the beats on him, and they will put, like, two cinder blocks on his back, and you will see Macklin just crush those cinder blocks with a sledgehammer on PCO's lower back. PCO would cry not cry, but just like yell out in agony. So this puts their under siege heavyweight title match up in jeopardy. But again, they got one more week, so we'll find out if that match is going to happen next week. But with that, that's all that happened on Impact Wrestling. So that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with Roman Reigns, Solo and Paul Heyman coming down to the ring so they can have their face off with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens come to the ring, Roman would be cocky and tell Kevin Owens and Sammy to acknowledge him and they could put the titles and lay him down to the ground and leave their ring. Kevin Owens hearing that, 
He would try to get physical with Roman Reigns, but Sammy would stop Kevin before he does this. Solo would try to get in front of Roman, and again, Roman would do the same thing like Sammy, and he will stop Solo from getting involved. Roman would then look at Sammy and tell Sammy that he wanted to talk to Sammy anyway. Roman wanted to let Sammy know that he is the biggest regret that Roman has ever had in his whole entire life. Roman has went through a lot of greatness, and he has went through the deepest of lows, but Sammy is the biggest regret because he's wasted time on Sammy and look what Sammy has basically done to Roman's bloodline here. Sammy would tell Roman that all of Roman's life he has been told he is special, but at Night of Champions, that isn't the case. He isn't going to take the tag team titles away from Kevin Owens and him and that he isn't as good as he think he is. He isn't as good as Kevin and Sammy and he isn't as good as the Usos. Now, that statement right there would mess with Roman's mind. You could just start seeing Roman, like, start to flutter around, and he starts walking, pacing in the ring a little bit. Roman would say something to Sammy, but as soon as he says this, you would see the Usos come out from the crowd and attack Kevin Owens and Sammy from behind. Now, the Usos will lay out Sammy and Kevin outside of the ring, and once they get into the ring, Jimmy and Jay, they look satisfied by what they did. They dap hands with each other, and you see Jimmy try to dap up with Roman and Roman just looks at them in disgust. He tells them that I have something that I wanted to say to Sammy, and you guys just came out here and ruined it. You guys didn't follow the game plan. You guys didn't follow my game plan. You did what you wanted to do. And he gets so angry that he just tries to quickly leave out of the ring. And in doing so, his shoulder would tap Solo's shoulder. Now you see Solo looking down at Roman, and Roman quickly sobers up gets away from the anger and he just has a petrified look on his face looking at Solo and then he just like tries to make the excuse me type of finger movement and he just leaves out of the ring quickly again Solo is the piece for this whole bloodline situation he's literally the piece you could tell how much the bloodline situation hangs on Solo when Roman just with that Roman's supposedly the head of the table but he doesn't even want problems with Solo the Usos don't want problems with Solo. So again, Solo has a big piece into either the formation and fixture of the bloodline staying together or the complete destruction of the bloodline. That's one thing that I did like that they subtly put in this interaction that Roman had with uh, Solo here. Now, we will go to the back. You see the Usos sitting down and Roman would again berate them and he's acting like a angry parent to the Usos again saying you guys need to listen to my game plans you guys need to listen to me because I brought us to the promised land instead of listening to doing what you want to do like any angry parent would do to his uh, sons so again Roman is sunning the Usos here and he would tell them to leave his sight and the Usos would now we would get more into the Usos backstage a little bit later before their match against Ray and Santos and I'll get to that when I get to them but after this, we will have a tag team matchup of Pretty Deadly making their main roster debut, going against the Brawling Brutes with Sheamus in their corner. Pretty Deadly would win the match by pinfall by hitting Spilt Milk on Ridge Holland to win the matchup here. Now, after this, we will have Asuka going against Selena Vega. Asuka would win the match by submission when Asuka would reverse a pinning maneuver and turn it into the rings of Saturn and make Selena tap out. After the match, Asuka would hold on to the hold, and this will lead to Bianca Belair running down to the ring to make the save. Asuka would leave the ring, 
you would see Bianca then grab Asuka and Asuka would spray the mist towards Bianca and only a small portion of it will land on Bianca. So they're not trying to get full uh, fledged, like spitting the mist into someone's face as they would do back in uh, WWE early 2000s. Again, I think COVID has really stopped that whole situation of spitting uh, that blue mist into someone's face. But um, with this, again, a small of it got on Bianca, not as much as it did last week. I'm cool with it. I just want, if they're going to go all the way, they need to go all the way and have someone's face get covered all the way with this mist. So that's just my take on that. Up next was the Grayson Waller effect with his special guest, AJ Styles. Grayson Waller would give AJ Styles the floor to talk about what it would mean to him to become the world heavyweight champion. AJ would say that he has been recovering from his time of getting injured and during that recovery he has trained the hardest that he's ever become and he is ready to become the world heavyweight champion while Seth on the other hand he's on uh TV sets right now and for people that don't know Seth Rollins is on the TV set of Captain America uh newest show so he's a part of that cast now I'm not sure if he's a main part or a uh just a recurring character I don't know any of that I don't think nobody knows except for Seth but that is what AJ was referring to when he said that statement here. But in the end, AJ would say that he hopes to become the world heavyweight champion. Grace Oller would tell AJ, listen, you guys are going to have a great match. You guys are going to have a classic match at Night of the Champions. And I can't wait for the ending. And Grayson Waller would do a mock-up uh, announcement saying, and your new world heavyweight champion, Seth friggin' Rollins. Now you have AJ getting in the face of Grayson Waller, and you can just see AJ and Grayson just popping off with words to one another, and that's the end of this segment. Now, here's the thing what people don't know. I was at SmackDown this Friday night, and Grayson Waller was standing behind his little podium that he has on the Grayson Waller effect. The reason why he was standing and sitting behind the podium was because Grayson Waller still has a boot on his foot from the match that he had with Carmelo Hayes a couple weeks ago on NXT for the NXT Championship. Whenever he was trying to do his rolling stunner from outside of the ring to inside of the ring and he kind of tweaked his ankle, he is still wearing a boot because of that injury here. So I don't know if it came across that on TV. I don't think so because when he came out, the production crew was setting up the Grayson Waller effect set. It was still all black. They were showing... Uh, previews on the screen so i believe it was a commercial for you guys at the time so again i don't think nobody on television got to see him with the boot but for people in front of the crowd you guys got to see him literally wearing the boot so grayson waller is still hurt he's still out of action out of commission for right now and i can feel that grayson waller is probably going to be aj's like feud feud on smackdown because you saw those two have that uh face to face because of grayson's comment but more than that uh down the line now, after this, we would have the Street Profits going against LA Knight and Rick Boogs. The Street Profits would win the match by pitfall when the Profits would hit their tag finish. A Spine Buster Frog Splash on Rick Boogs for the win. After the match, LA Knight would help Rick Boogs to his feet. The two would hug, but this was all a setup for LA Knight to hit Rick Boogs with the BFT. And that's it. Now, I'm going to say this. When I was there, everybody, I mean, everybody was doing the whole LA Knight, yeah thing i mean la knight is over like rover 
He needs to be in a main event type situation. He needs to be chasing some type of gold. I get that they just want to use him just for a good hand for uh, people. But when you got somebody that's literally having the crowd doing their whole yeah or just saying their whole catchphrase with them, there's no way you're just letting that go to waste. So hopefully someone in the creative uh, process can get LA Knight to go after a championship, whether it be the United States or... Nah, he ain't going at the Roman yet. So, yeah, let him go at the United States. I don't care who takes it off of theory. Just have LA Knight probably be the one. Or, since Money in the Bank's coming up, have LA Knight win the Money in the Bank contract and have him just walk around with it. Because we know that he is a future world champion because you guys are wasting him if you do not uh, capitalize on the kind of magic that LA Knight has. I mean, there was no piping in the noise. When he came out, everybody was doing the whole, yeah. And everybody was doing whole L.A. night, yeah, bit for bit whenever he came out. So, again, to WWE management, please do something with L.A. night before it becomes too late. Do not let this pass. Now, after this, we have Alba Fire and Isla Dawn going against Valentina Forez and Yalissa Leon. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn would win the match by pinfall when they would hit their tag finish, a gory bomb special, and a STO combo on Yalissa Leon. No, no, not listening on. It was uh, Valentina Perez for the win. And they're still coming out with the NXT Tag Team Championships. I don't know what they're doing with that. Again, we're still in this whole uh, crazy timeline right now. When you got the NXT Tag Team Champions on SmackDown. You got the Raw Women's Champion on SmackDown. You got the SmackDown Women's Champion on Raw. This is still one crazy timeline. Hopefully, we can get all this stuff fixed up. And also, I forgot to mention, um, they would make note that... Liv Morgan is injured, so they had to relinquish the Women's Tag Team Championships. And on two weeks on Raw, we'll have a fatal four-way tag team matchup to determine who's going to be the new uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. It'll be Raquel Rodriguez and a mystery partner going against uh, the teams of Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Chelsea Green, and Sonya Deville, and Damage Control's Bayley and EO Sky. Now, after this, we have Austin Theory coming down to the ring. Austin Theory would talk about losing the triple threat match last week, thanks to Bobby Lashley and Sheamus. He would say that Bobby Lashley is obsessed with him. He knows this, but he doesn't know why Sheamus cost him the opportunity. And he would say that him and Sheamus are the same. They both are strong, and they both have beaten John Cena. But the difference is, he's beaten John Cena this past year at WrestleMania, while Sheamus did it about 12 years ago. This will have Sheamus come out. And Sheamus would get eye to eye with Theory. He would go to get a microphone. And then once he does this, he would quickly turn around and hit Theory with a bro kick to the face. And he would just leave with a mic drop. And that's it. Which sets up for their United States Championship match next week. Now we're off to the main event. Tag team matchup. LWO's Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar going against the Usos. Now before we get to that match, we go backstage. We see the Usos hyping themselves up get themselves pumped up, and Paul Heyman will walk up to them. He will say that the Tribal Chief apologizes. He said they're all good, and you would think that the Roman Reigns and Solo is going to come out there. Even Jimmy would say, so they're going to be out there, and Paul would tell him, not not quite. They're not going to be out there, but you guys are going to be able to handle the LWO by yourself. They're the LWO. You guys got this. You guys are the greatest tag team in the world. And Paul would tell them, please don't screw this up. Please don't make me a liar. Please just make this 
not a prediction, but a spoiler. And you will see Jimmy and Jay both look at Paul in some type of disgust way. And they would just say yeet. And they'll just walk to the ring. Now going to the tag team matchup here. Uh, Santos and Ray would win the match by pinfall. Thanks to help from Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. When the Usos had Rey Mysterio down on the mat. And they were about to hit their double Uso splash. You would see Kevin Owens run down to the ring. And get on the ring apron to distract the referee. This will allow Sami Zayn to run through the crowd. And throw uh, Jimmy off the top turnbuckle. This will allow Santos Escobar to get on the ring apron and kick Jay off the other top turnbuckle. And now you have Jay on the outside of the ring. You have Ray hit the 619 on Jimmy Uso. Then you will tag Santos Escobar in. And then Santos will get to the top turnbuckle and then hit a big body splash onto Jimmy Uso and cover him for the win. So again, LWO, they get the win here because of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and this will lead into next week's episode of SmackDown. Now, I do want to say that they did tape that episode of SmackDown tonight, well, last night, and I'm going to say this. I'm not going to spoil it. You guys can look online if you want to spoil it for yourself. I'm not going to do that here. I will say this. I will say check out next week's episode of SmackDown. It's going to be good. The matches on there are good, and the segment the main event segment, because if you know, it's going to be the Kevin Owens show with Kevin Owens and Sammy with Solo and Roman. That's going to be their final, final confrontation before their Night of Champions matchup for the tag team titles. I would say tune into next week's episode for that alone if you just want to see the Bloodline stuff. But next week's episode of SmackDown is going to be good. So that's just me. And again, I'm not going to spoil it. You guys can do that and watch it yourself or you can spoil it yourself and look online. But with that, that's your SmackDown. Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to AEW Rampage. We will start off with the trios matchup here. The Best Amigos, which is the Best Friends, and Bandito going against the Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley, Willa Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli. The Blackpool Combat Club would win that match by pinfall when you would see John Moxley hit Chuck Taylor with a paradigm shift, and then you see Claudio Castagnoli throw Willa Yuta for a rocket launcher body splash onto Chuck Taylor to win the matchup for the team. After this, we have the TBS Championship matchup here. Jay Cargill with Mark Sterling and Layla Gray in her corner going against Danny B. Jay Cargill will win this match in quick fashion by hitting her with a elbow, then a fallaway slam, then a pump kick, and cover her for the win. Again, quick fashion. Jay Cargill is still the TBS champion. Now she's 58-0. Mark Sterling, after the match, will get a microphone and say that we still need more competition for Jay Cargo, and I have somebody for her. So another girl will come down, and her name is Genesis. So we have another impromptu TBS championship matchup here. And again, Jay Cargo will win that match in quick fashion by hitting the girl with a spear and then lifting her up for Jaded, hitting it, winning the match. Now, Jade retains her championship 59-0, and she's still TBS champion. After the match, again, Mark Sterling would say, you guys, you know what? I want to go 60-0. So he's about to send another girl out. Another girl comes out on the ramp. But before she can come down, Taya Valkyrie, she will make her way down to the ring. And Taya Valkyrie would hit Jade with Jaded, or as Taya will call it, the road of Valhalla. And she tells Jade that she will see her at double or nothing. And now that match has been made official, Jade will be going against Taya Valkyrie at double or nothing for the TBS championship. After this, we have the acclaimed and Billy Guns going against the varsity athletes 
the claim to Billy Gunn would win the match by pinfall when Anthony Bowens and Max Caster would hit their tag finish, which is the arrival and the mic drop on Tony Nese to win the matchup here. Now, after this, we would have Dustin Rhodes going against Bishop Khan with Prince Nana in his corner. Dustin Rhodes would win the match by pinfall when Khan would miss a body splash in the corner to Dustin, and Dustin would hit him with a bulldog and then hit him with a final reckoning, which is a uh, lifting, spinning suplex for the win here. So Dustin Rhodes gets a win over the Mogul Embassies. However, after the match, Brian Cage would come down and attack uh, Dustin Rhodes from behind. You would then see Swerve get in there, and Swerve's just still standing there as the boss that he is. And then Keith Lee would come out. So now Keith Lee walking down to the ring. Khan and Brian Cage would get at uh, Keith Lee, but Keith Lee handles them outside of the ring. Keith Lee would get in the ring, and now you have a stare down between Keith Lee and Swerve. They have the stare down here, but then you see Khan and Brian Cage again attacking Keith, and this time they are effective in it. You will see uh, Brian Cage get Keith Lee on his shoulder, and you see Nana get a chair and lay the chair down, and Brian Cage will hit Keith Lee with F5 on the chair. Then you will see them set the chair up. They sit Keith Lee on the chair. Swerve will get to the top turnbuckle, and he will hit the Swerve Stomp on Keith Lee here. And that's how Rampage will end with the Mogul uh, Embassy or the Mogul Affiliates. I think it's Mogul Embassy uh, standing on top of Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee here. I want Swerve and Keith Lee to have a match either at double or nothing or like on a prime episode of AEW Dynamite where all the eyeballs will be on Keith and Swerve. I feel that they are worthy of a primetime spot on Dynamite, not just be suited onto Rampage. That's just my belief with Collision now being a new show. Hopefully those two will be a main staple on that show with it being live. Again, it's going to be on Saturday, but I feel that even with that being on Saturday, it's going to be a live situation. And I think that Tony Khan is going to put a lot of time and effort into Collision. If you put those two guys as your big centerpieces with people around them, I think Collision will be fine. If you don't do that, put them on Dynamite and have them be the mainstays or at least a big part of it. Because again, for these two to be on Rampage and their rivalry being the way that it is, you got parts of it that you'll just be throwing in some of it that you don't use i mean it's real real up and down with this rivalry you'll show them on tv one time and then you won't show it and then it'll come back again and don't do it i feel that swerve and keith they deserve better to be honest with you but again is they're still trying to get their not going to try to say get their feet wet in aew but i feel that with this new uh trajectory that they're doing with Swerve having this new group and Keith Lee going on his own with Dustin they're still trying to get that really off the ground if you will so that's why they're doing this on Rampage but I just feel that they deserve better so hopefully after this feud is done with and I hope that it's done relatively probably quicker than later sooner rather than later um we can get these two guys on prime television where they deserve but again time will tell with that now, with that being said, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And as a whole, that has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week episode here. I have been G2. This has been my Two Cents Podcast. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. I love you guys. Always do know that I have a Sunday episode coming up tomorrow. And if you did not listen to my midweek episode, 
it is available right now for you to do so. And now with that, I'll see you guys next week.